All right, are y'all ready? Let's try that one more time. Are y'all ready? All right, good, because I am ready, and I really, really do believe that God wants to release a word in this room today that is going to increase our spiritual appetite for his presence and cause us to draw closer to him. Because let me tell you this, there's been no other time like the time that we are living in now where Christians need to be diligent about pursuing the presence of God and learning to walk in deeper communion with him. We are living in days where discernment is not optional, it's essential. We are living in days where there is a high level of urgency for us to know and for us to move in accordance to God's agenda and timing. These are not the days for us to be doing comfortable Christianity. We need to step up and we need to step forward into the fullness of who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. And the only way that we will be able to do this is through prayer. So this morning, I wanna to talk to you about the purpose of prayer. Because for us to experience and walk in the fullness of our God-given authority, we must be men and women of prayer. For us to be faithful with the assignment that God entrusts us with, we must be men and women of prayer. For us to be clothed in power and be effective in the spaces of influence that God has given us, we must be men and women of prayer. For how we've been called to move, who God has called us to be, and the depth of impact that we leave on this earth is heavily dependent upon this one important discipline called prayer. A discipline that Jesus himself took the time to model for us. And so I wanna invite you this morning to open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter five, verse 12 and 16. We're gonna be reading from 12 to 16. The verse that we're gonna really focus on today is gonna to be verse 16. That's where we're gonna draw our observations from. But for context, let's start reading from verses 12. Are you with me? Yes. If you are, can I hear you say amen? amen? All right, let's read. So verse 12, this is what it says. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But look at verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to gather together here in your presence. And we thank you for the word that you're about to release. God, we pray that as we turn our hearts towards you, our ears towards you, I pray that you would release a word in this room that would bear fruit in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would remove distractions, limitations, and give us clarity and focus in this time. May all things that are said and done, God, bring glory and honor to you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. Amen. Verse 16 says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Perhaps one of the greatest and most important lessons that Jesus demonstrated with his life and ministry was his devotion to communing with the Father. Nothing else took greater priority in Jesus' life and ministry like spending time with his heavenly Father did. And we know this 
because numerous accounts in scripture reveal the times in which Jesus chose to step away from people, step away from demands, step away from the disciples, and step away from all the needs that were pulling at him just so that he could spend uninterrupted time with his father. There are times in the Bible in which Jesus withdrew to pray so that he could prepare for a major task. Jesus withdrew to pray to prepare in times of distress. Jesus withdrew to pray so that he could recharge himself after hard work. Jesus withdrew to pray so that he could make important decisions. Jesus withdrew to pray so that he could work through grief. Everything that Jesus did was led by and bathed in prayer. There was a dependence and submission that Jesus demonstrated to his father's will through prayer. Our first observation for this morning is this. Prayer declares our dependence. Prayer for Jesus was not an obligation. It was his lifestyle. And we see how that dependence on the Heavenly Father and that discipline of prayer shaped his ministry. It grew his impact. It enabled him to fulfill his earthly mission. Even down to the final moment of his life, as he is nailed to that cross, we see Jesus praying. Prayer for Jesus was not an obligation, it was his lifestyle. We know this because the Gospel of Luke focuses on Jesus' prayer life more than any other Gospel writer. And this gives us an important note for our own personal lives. That if Jesus, the Son of God, was devoted to a life of prayer, then how much more would we need to cultivate that devotion in our own lives today? If prayer was a lifestyle for Jesus, then what makes us think that it can be an option for us? The heart of prayer, you see, is about recognizing every moment of every day that we are completely dependent on God. We are dependent on him to bring the breakthrough. We are dependent on him to bring healing. We are dependent on him to break strongholds. We are dependent on him to move in power. We are dependent on him to give direction, to bring hope. Even drawing breath every second requires our daily dependence on him for life and sustenance. And the more we practice the discipline of prayer, the more we are reminded of our constant need to depend on him. What does dependence in prayer look like? In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we are commanded to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. The words without ceasing can be sometimes a little confusing, so let's pause and talk about it for a moment. 1 Thessalonians 5 is not speaking about the customs of prayer. It's not saying that you must be locked up in your prayer closet all day, every day in order to pray effectively. It's not speaking about the customs of prayer. It's speaking about the discipline of prayer. It's speaking about the persistence of prayer. It's saying pray without ceasing, meaning be persistent about the line of communication that you create with God so that it allows the voice and the presence of God to not only be clearly sensed in your life, but also move clearly through your everyday life without ceasing means there is a persistence, there is a daily dependence. It's persistent prayer because it's prayer that is not dictated by your emotions or situations or your circumstances. Rather, it's persistent prayer because it's prayer that is dictated by the desire to be in alignment with him and sensitive to his will. Now, imagine with me, Radiant, for just a moment. 
what our society today would look like if more believers were devoted to a life of persistent prayer that declared our dependence. Imagine with me for a moment what our schools, our churches, our government would look like if believers were devoted to persistent prayers of faith, to persistent prayers of agreement, to persistent prayers of thanksgiving, to persistent prayers of consecration, to persistent prayers of intercession. Imagine for a moment with me what the spiritual climate of our society today, of our world today, would look like if we were devoted to persistent prayers that declared our dependence. If you're going to remember anything I say today, let it be this. A prayerless life is a powerless life. A prayerless life is a powerless life. In one region of Africa, the first converts to Christianity were very diligent about praying. In fact, the believers each had their own special place right outside of the village where they would go to pray in solitude. And these villagers would reach these prayer rooms by using their own private footpaths through specific trails. And so when grass began to grow over one of these trails, it was evident that the person to whom this trail belonged to was not praying very much. And because these new Christians were very concerned for each other's spiritual welfare, a new custom began. Whenever anyone noticed an overgrown prayer path, he or she would go to the person and lovingly warn them, saying, friend, there's grass on your path. May I graciously and lovingly ask you today, what does your prayer path look like? Is there overgrown grass on it because priorities in life have shifted? Is there overgrown grass on your prayer path because your schedule is filled with demands and responsibilities? Are there perhaps too many distractions? Is there overgrown grass on your prayer path because somewhere along the way maybe you've become a little more dependent on yourself than on God? And by the way, let me just say this real quick. If you're too busy to pray, friend, you are too busy. You need to let some things go. Because I'm going to say this to you just one more time. Who God has called you to be and what he has called you to do and walking in the fullness of what he has assigned to you won't be the byproduct of your intellect, your passion, your charisma, your strategy, your accomplishments. It will be the byproduct of your prayer life. And I believe, Radiant, that this morning God is inviting us to recommit ourselves to the discipline of prayer so that we can experience the power of prayer. Are you with me? Our second observation for this morning is this. So number one, prayer declares our dependence. Number two, prayer sets the agenda. Prayer sets the agenda. The purpose of prayer is not to bless your agenda, but to set God's agenda in motion. In John 6, 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. One clear pattern we see in Jesus' earthly ministry is the constant yielding to the agenda of his heavenly father. Jesus not only knew that he was here on mission, but he knew the one who sent him on mission. Jesus moved because it was the father's agenda for him to move. Jesus healed because it was the Father's agenda for him to heal. Jesus taught because it was the Father's agenda for him to teach. 
Jesus demonstrated the miraculous because it was the Father's agenda for him to do so. Everything that Jesus did was none other than the will of his heavenly Father. He was constantly in communion with his Father, which enabled him and empowered him to submit and fulfill the Father's agenda. Even in the moment of his greatest sorrow and agony, as Jesus knelt down in the Garden of Gethsemane, feeling overwhelmed and distraught, knowing what he is about to endure, we see Jesus praying in Luke 22, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass away from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, somebody say nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And my prayer for us radiant today is that we would be men and women whose lives would be marked by nevertheless. That our prayers would be marked by a holy surrender of our agenda for the submission to his. Nevertheless, not my desires, not my priorities, not my wants, not what I think is best, not my way, but your will be done. Your will be done. And as Jesus uttered those same words, we see the course of history change forever. Imagine what those same prayers of submission and surrender could do in and through your life today. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You see, we underestimate, heavily underestimate how much hangs on the balance of submitting to God's agenda. And you know what's surprising? It will surprise you to discover how often prayer reveals the disconnect between God's agenda and our own. I can't tell you how many times I've come before the Lord for prayer over certain visions and certain desires and specific plans only to realize in prayer that God's agenda is actually different than mine. And I'm so glad because in those same spaces was also the opportunity to yield and say, no, God, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. God, send me to the spaces you want me to go. Give me the words you want me to say. Lead me to the mission you have for me. Highlight the things your heart breaks for. Show me the things you want me to see. Lead me in the direction you have set for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Why is this so important, Radiant? It's so important because we often find ourselves rushing to carry weight that we were never asked to carry. We find ourselves rushing and trying to go to places we were never sent to go to. We find ourselves rushing and trying to fulfill tasks we were never assigned to. Rushing and trying to take on missions we were never given. And in doing so, we begin accumulating all of this anxiety and worry and pressure that eventually begins to crush us and make us ineffective for what God is actually calling us for. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Prayer sets God's agenda in motion. This is exactly why there are moments in scripture laid out for us where we clearly see Jesus responding to increasing demands and needs with solitude and prayer. We see it in the story that we just read in Luke 15. It says news about him, about Jesus, spread all the more because of what he did for that man. 
And crowds of people came rushing to hear him speak and to be healed of their sicknesses. But look at how Jesus responds to that in 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Kind of an interesting response to what's going on. You see, it's not that Jesus didn't want to heal them or wanted to avoid them. That's not the case at all. Because in John's account, we read that all the books in the world combined could not contain all that Jesus did during his earthly ministry. So it's not that Jesus was denying the needs of people. Rather, his response of prayer to the needs that were increasing teaches us that mission should push us to prayer, not to performance. When mission pushes us to prayer, we operate by his power. But when mission pushes us to performance, we operate by our own limited strength. And if you've been there like I have and done it like I have, then you will know that your own limited strength will only last for so long. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You see, in the lonely place of prayer, Jesus finds the courage to follow the Father's agenda, not his own. In the lonely place of prayer, Jesus finds the courage to speak God's words and not his own. In the lonely place of prayer, Jesus finds the courage to do God's work and not his own. In that lonely place of communion with the Father, Jesus' mission and purpose is renewed. Radiant, it is so important that we catch this this morning. Because if we want to walk and operate in the fullness of what God has for us, then we will need to operate by his power. Which means we will need to be aligned to his agenda through prayer. Prayer sets the agenda. Are you with me? Our third observation for this morning is this. Prayer fills us with power. Prayer fills us with power. Your assignment will require power. Tap the person next to you and remind them your assignment will require power. One of the best questions that the disciples could have ever asked Jesus during their time together with him is found in Luke chapter 11 verse 1. Do you know what they asked him? Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus didn't teach the disciples how to preach. He taught them how to pray. Because he knew that in order for them to fulfill their earthly mission effectively, that they had to walk in power that was greater than their own. In order for them to fulfill all that he had called them to fulfill, in order for them to be effective in their mission, they had to be able to move in power that was greater than their own. All of us in this room today, every single one of us sitting in this room today has a God-given assignment over our lives that requires us to move in power greater than our own. Every single one of us, whether we know it, we don't, we believe it, we don't, the reality is there is a destiny, there is an assignment, there is a call on our lives, a call that is attached to each one of us that requires us to be able to move in power that is greater than our own. There is a God-given assignment over your life. Rady, and I want you to listen very carefully. This is not just a Christian thing to say. There is a God-given assignment over each and every single one of your lives that requires you to move and act and speak and discern from power that is greater than your own. Look around you for a moment. We are not at war with flesh and blood. Y'all know that? 
We are not at war with flesh and blood. We are at war with spiritual forces of evil. The enemy is coming after the unity of the church. He's coming after the identity of the next generation. He's coming after families. He's sowing seeds of hatred, division, confusion all over the place. And do you know why so many of us are feeling burnt out and exhausted in this battle? Do you know why so many believers are throwing in the towel and abandoning their God-given assignment to be agents of transformation? Because we are too busy fighting spiritual battles with earthly weapons. We are too busy fighting people on social media. We're too busy getting distracted by a fence left, right, and center when we need to be fighting the enemy on our knees behind closed doors. Let me tell you this, the greatest battle, I promise you, the greatest battle in your life right now is not with your annoying neighbor living next door. The greatest battle in your life right now is not with your child at home who's going through a rebellious phase. The greatest battle in your life right now is not with your spouse. The greatest battle in your life right now is not with your boss. You have only one enemy, the devil, and he's after only two things, your faith and your God-given assignment. He's going to try to break down your belief, your trust in God, your faith in God. He's going to try to attack everything you know to be true about God. And if he can't get at that, then he's going to come after your God-given assignment. He's going to try to distract you. He's going to try to distort things. He's going to try to delay, to sabotage from you being effective in the kingdom of God and doing what you've been brought here on this earth to do. Therefore, now more than ever, Radiant, it is vital that you and I are sons and daughters clothed in divine power through persistent prayer. Woodrow Kroll says this, with the power of God within us, Listen to this, the power of God within us, we need never fear the powers around us. With the power of God within us, there is a power of God within you right now that is waiting to be activated, that is waiting to be released, that is waiting to bring transformation in the environments and the spaces of influence that God has you in, but that power cannot be activated or released unless we pray. Your assignment will require power. Some of y'all have an assignment at your jobs right now with the people that you are brushing shoulders with Monday to Friday and you don't even know it. Some of you have a God-given assignment right now in the schools that your children go to and you don't even know it. Come on now. Some of y'all have an assignment with that annoying next door neighbor and you don't even know it. There is an assignment over your life that's gonna require for you to tap into power that is greater than your own. And this power, listen to me Radiant, is not gonna be accessible through your works. It's not going to be accessible through your performance. This power is not going to be accessible through your knowledge or ability or gifts. This power will only be accessible through prayer. What does that mean? That means Radiant, that we're going to need to create spaces in our lives where we're pressing in. Spaces in our lives where we're waiting to hear God's voice and direction for the season that we are in. That means we're going to have to create spaces in our lives where the pace of life can slow down for just a moment so that we can move to the rhythm of his presence. That means we're going to have to create spaces in our lives, intentional spaces where we are pushing, praying until something happens. Why? 
because your assignment will require power and power for your assignment will only be accessible through prayer. Something happens to us, through us, and around us when we pray. Tell someone next to you, prayer changes things. Hear me out, and I want you to hold on to this very tightly. Prayer from the heart, not from the head. In other words, prayer that is led by the revelation of God and not just the knowledge of God changes things. Prayer that is fueled by faith changes things. And I believe this morning God wants to remind you and I that the power we're looking to operate from, the confidence and the boldness that we're looking to step into, the clarity of purpose that we're looking to discover is all found in deeper communion with him through prayer. There's a lot of distractions in our world today. Life is filled with so much. Our to-do list is endless. And we don't realize how much of the things that are going on around us in our lives are distracting us from the very important discipline that God is calling us to grow in. And we don't even realize it. This morning, my heart for you is that you would grasp the urgency and importance of this. That to step into your God-given purpose, to fulfill what God brought you to this earth to fulfill. You know, your life is not an accident. You came here for this time for this day, for this season, for this year, your existence in this time was specifically orchestrated by God for a reason. Because in you, there is a rich deposit of his gifts, a rich deposit of his purpose. There's a hand of God on your life. And there are things that God wants to do in and through you for this time. But for you to discover that and realize that and walk in the fullness of that, you will need to be a man of prayer, a woman of prayer. We need to go back to the basics, to the things that matter to the heart of God. Because we can run around and we can do all this all day until we draw our last breath. But if it's done in separation from communion with him, it is meaningless. So can we all stand to our feet? I want to pray for everyone in this room this morning. I want to just pray that God would release again that fresh hunger for communion with him, for intimacy with him. For some of us, our prayer voice has been silenced because of disappointments, distractions. Things have happened. Life has gotten hard. It's been difficult. And prayer has just not been a priority for a while. Could be many reasons for others maybe the enemy has just been accusing us for far too long of our past bringing up shame and guilt and using that as a distraction to keep us away from the presence of God whatever it may be what I want to do today is just pray that God would release a divine hunger over your life for communion with him again that he would prioritize the need and hunger in your life to pursue his presence because on this side of eternity that's all that's gonna matter how much we knew him how closely we followed him, how aware we were of his voice, and how obedient we were to the call that he had placed on our lives. And that's the urgency that I want you to feel this morning. So let's do this. 
want you to gently just place your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you and just for 10 seconds can you pray over that person that God would release a divine hunger over their lives for his presence that he would release a divine hunger in their lives for communion with him again just take 10 seconds just lift up your voices and begin to pray there is power in prayer and I can pray for you but you can also pray for each other and there is power in both so just take 10 seconds and just keep pressing in just pray for that person next to you ask that God would release a deeper hunger a supernatural hunger not a hunger that comes from the flesh or that is conjured up by our emotions or circumstances but a divine hunger that comes from the presence of God a divine hunger that comes from the heavens just pray that God would release that over people today few more seconds come on just keep pressing in just keep pressing in there is power in your prayer there is power in what you are saying in what you are praying over the person standing next to you prayer with faith changes things so we're gonna practice that right now we thank you Lord for your presence Holy Spirit we just ask that you would come and fall fresh upon every man and woman in this room that you would release the hunger that comes from you that you would release a fresh and divine hunger Lord that would draw your sons and daughters closer to you that would bring them back into communion with you Holy Spirit we ask that you would release just a divine supernatural need and desire that comes to want to be with you to know your heart to know your voice to discern what you are doing in the season in the space in their lives Lord I pray that you would mark every man and every woman in this room that you would mark radiant church God with this deep hunger and desire to be a people of your presence to be a people who pursue after you who long after you who desire to know you more and more and more so come and move God move over every man move over every heart move over every woman Lord remove the distractions remove the limitations feelings of shame and guilt that may be holding us back. God, release a fresh hunger.